This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, what is road rage? Why does it happen? Dr. Steve Albrecht, a threat assessment expert, former police officer, helps us understand where bouts of road rage come from and how to manage anger and stressful moments, plus how to keep yourself safe. AI, artificial intelligence generated art. Yes, computers making art. Should creators be concerned about this? Greg Fish explains how and why machines are creating art and why human hands are still the best at making the good art. Fake fingerprints eating garbage, drug smuggling, and more just from some of the stories from around the world as we cover Chris Gilbert's International Dispatch all here on the Shift Daily Podcast. This is the Shift Podcast. This is one of those times where I wish that uh, this was not only the radio and also the TV stream because there's a little (laughs) dancing going on. Uh, let's get started here with the International Dispatch. Welcome to the International Dispatch from our world citizen. Live from Japan, New Zealand's Chris Gilbert. Uh, with a uh, artificial backdrop, a virtual backdrop on Zoom, uh, Chris is like disappearing, man. Yeah, it's like I've got like a hologram effect going on here because it's uh, late afternoon here in Tokyo and the sun is streaming through my thin curtains and it's creating like a daft punk kind of music video effect on the on the call here my hand is all washed and pixelated anyway it's um great conversation for radio that you brought up there for the radio yeah but it's uh it is happening and i'm enjoying it so i can go with it um thanks for being here buddy how you doing how's japan how's uh, my favorite kiwi oh yeah good um trying to like piece together like whether I had COVID a month ago, because um, you know I, there might have been I don't I don't know it's like the question of our age did I have COVID because sometimes you know you know like it smacks you across the head like a two by four, and then other times you're like oh that cough that I had last month actually uh, also like my mental health isn't that great and I'm a bit more fatigued these days and actually this is kind of like what it was like a month after I had COVID last time. So I'm wondering, I'm trying to piece together like a detective going back over the days and trying to figure out if I had, um, you know, like a very subtle form of COVID or not. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's, that's no, no, apart from that, apart from feeling like, you know, a general malaise over the last week. Um, yeah, no, good. Peachy keen. Peachy keen, even. Uh, this is good. If you don't know Chris, Chris used to be uh, one of the content producers here. It's The Shift. And uh, he is a Kiwi who went to Japan and came to Canada. Then COVID happened. He's like, screw it, going back to Japan. And then did that. And then here he is, all married yeah. now, uh, living in Japan and, and doing all yeah. the things. But he still comes in and, and joins us, which is really nice. Really appreciate that yeah. one. Great call, eh? Go back to Japan. There's no COVID over there. Only like 25,000 cases a day at the moment. Well, that's right. Yeah. Details. Yeah, you know, semantics. But everyone goes on know. vacation at the same time. You've taught me that. I didn't know that in Japan. Basically, everyone goes on holidays for the whole summer. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's weird because, like, the ghosts of your ancestors come back and you kind of go on holiday with them every summertime. It's called Obon. Hmm. And uh, it's like, oh, grandpa's coming back. And, like, I mean, people told me about this when I first lived here. I was like, what, like, really? Like, the ghosts, like, there's a ghost in the room? And they're like, no, of course not. Don't be stupid. And I'm like, but you still, like, they really come back. And they're like, oh, yeah, they come back. You know, like, I'm like, well, what does that mean? Um, 
But it's, it's really interesting, you know, like, uh, and yeah, everyone does go on vacation at the same time. You know, they all take off to Okinawa at the same time, which is pretty much like mainland Japan just treats it like their own personal Disney resort, you know, Okinawa. They all just Why go Okinawa, down there and though? get COVID. Well, because Okinawa is tropical and beautiful, and if you can't afford to go to Hawaii, you go to Okinawa. Oh, really? Yeah. Did not know it's that. It's a lovely place. Okay. Why would you not want really? to go there? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, my buddy Todd's from Okinawa, but he, uh, I don't know. He's, he's sent all kinds of pictures of cherry blossoms and, and whatnot, but I don't think I've ever um, heard him talk about it being tropical. But then again, he does live in Hawaii. So. Yeah. I mean, like it's, it's sea turtles, scuba diving, you know, white beaches. It's, it's idyllic and, and pristine and, and glo- I've only been there the one time, which was last year. And when I went there, yeah. I was like, oh my. I'm actually, this is what relaxation feels like. It took me 34 oh, wow. years, but now I know. Yeah, no, Okinawa's great. Holidays are great. Um, the holiday here is finished, though. Everyone's back at work, even though it's 35 degrees outside. And so uh, everyone's walking around town looking miserable. Um, probably because they still have to wear suits. I, don't, I never get that. You know, like you have to go to work. You have to commute to work, you know, but you have to wear like a, a woolen suit or whatever they have to do and, and just absolutely sweat everywhere over everybody on i guess trains. i kind of imagine I that in japan everybody wears a black suit and a black tie yeah that's it's true man it's true like it's a it's a i won't say a stereotype but it's it's true like you can there are parts of shinjuku station where you can stand on like the top of um like uh, some steps like a few steps and and look down a passageway and just see like you know, like a 30 by 100 grid of just people wearing black suits and just seeing them just marching like down hmm. to like their next train. It's really trippy. That's cool. All right. So Christopher Gilbert here joins us, the International Dispatch, a little tour around the world. But before we get touring, should we start in your uh, in your adopted home country? Yeah. I mean, we're talking about Japan anyway, right? And so right. Uh, I might as well start here. Um, uh, north of Tokyo, there's a prefecture called Saitama. Um, and they have a police department, as you do. Um, and in Japan, is kind of like a senpai kohai thing, which means like superior and I guess you would say subordinate. And it's a very like, you know, ingrained part of Japanese society is that in every job and every school and every role, there's a superior and there's a subordinate. You know, there's a, a master and a student sort of thing. And so the lieutenant of this uh, Saitama police station, well, Effectively, I'm going to give you the synopsis of the story here. He was eating garbage Mm. and um, he got in trouble for eating the garbage. And then he got fired for uh, criticizing his subordinate for also eating garbage. That's what happened. Um, There's uh, lunch boxes. There's a thing here called obento or a bento box, which you might know, um, you know, mm-hmm. it's like a, a little lunch dish with like rice and fish or whatever in it. And for the holding cell, for people who are like being imprisoned in the local jail for like a short stay, they would get a bento box. But, you know, the police station is given X number of bento boxes every day, often more than they need. Um, and the 50 year old lieutenant, believing that throwing away food is wasteful, helped himself to those bentos which were not being thrown away. Um, can I just say, I would raise my hand, absolutely do this. Like if I was working somewhere and it's like, there's perfectly good food about to be tossed, I'd be like, well, waste not, want not. And I would mm-hmm. just absolutely, everyone would, right? Would you be concerned about the, the, the fish part though? 
I, I feel like that if it's a bento box lying around, it's got fish in it, you probably should be cautious. They're fresh every day, Shane. They w- it wouldn't okay. be like two days old or three days old. It would be like delivered that morning. Um, wow. They're very hygienic. Okay. Yeah. And so he did this for four and a half years that he worked at this police department. However, technically, these bento were the property of the tension management division, and taking them without permission was tantamount to theft. Each one was meant to cost about 300 yen or about like two and a half bucks. Um, over the years, it would have added up to quite a bit. Um, as punishment, he was docked pay by 10% for six months. But that's not where it ends. In addition to stealing these lunches, the lieutenant was also accused of several cases of pawahara or power harassment. Um, <laughs> pawahara, I will get a little bit more into that later. Uh, Not just harassment, peri- but power harassment. Exactly, it's pawahara. And uh, <laughs> it's when superiors display their bullying behavior to subordinates at a workplace. And in one instance, the lieutenant is said to have walked up to a lower-ranking officer who was eating lunch prepared by his wife and said uh, that bento looks like garbage, which is ironic as he himself often eats garbage. Uh, that was a particularly odd insult for that reason. Um, he was, you know, pretty much forced to retire after that, after um, eating the garbage bentos and then saying that somebody else was eating a garbage bento, uh, which is Pawahara. And uh, now this lieutenant is forced to uh, step down on August 25. And uh, probably a lesson to all, first of all, not to eat garbage and also not to criticize others for doing so. Wow. Um, just let it, others eat their garbage in peace, I guess. Question mark? I, there is also, can I just say, over 100 types of hara in Japan. Um, would you like to hear some other ones? I would love to hear uh, some more versions of hara. Yeah, I mean, some of them are quite serious, you know, like there's matahara, which is maternity harassment. Uh, mm. harassment or disadvantageous treatment due to pregnancy. And there's the reverse matahara, which is um, the burden on employees due to someone taking maternity leave. Um, but some of the more odd ones are air hara, which is harassment over the air, condition temp- air conditioner temperature. <laughs> um, uh, there's jinahara, which is discrimination or harassment based on age or generational differences. Uh, brahara, which is bra, which is a uh, harassment on someone's blood type. Hobbyhara, uh, which is unjust treatment or harassment for having a particular hobby or taste. Um, there's uh, nuhara. Uh, can you guess what nuhara is? It's a it's a mm. very Japanese name. A new nuhara. Nuhara is the harassment. Causing mental distress by the sound of slurping noodles. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. So, like, as you might know, everybody, that uh, in Japan, when you eat your ramen, you're meant to take some air in with your ramen and make that, that sound that we find so offensive in English-speaking countries and very normal here. Uh, but for some people, it's not normal. It's nuhara. Uh, there is lovehara or rabuhara. It's unnecessary advice uh, to somebody on issues of love. Um, there's uh, prehara, which is present harassment, is giving gifts without considering the feelings of the recipient. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I That's... love that one. Uh, there's also sumehara for smell harassment, which is perhaps being smelly. 
Sumo hara, smoke harassment for um, someone, you know, being near a smoker. Pet hara, uh, pet owners' disruptive behavior towards others. Um, it, it goes on and on and on, um, all the way down to hara hara, harassment, harassment, excessive <laughs> claims of harassment about the words and actions of harassment. Oh, my goodness. That's legit. Like, this is a real thing. This is a real thing, man. You can look this wow. up. There's, there's, there's so many haras. And, uh, and you, I, I will just say that, like, you can live in Japan perfectly easily without knowing about any of them, you know. But I, I think that if you were Japanese and you, worked, and you lived, in a, lived in a, worked in a Japanese workplace, these haras would probably come up on a, on a daily basis. This is fascinating. So Christopher Gilbert joins us from Tokyo, the International Dispatch. A bit of a tour around the world, some stories. Off we go to India. India. I love this one. Um, worst cheating idea in the world. You know, whatever happened to just, like, copying the guy next to you? Man removes his thumb skin and pastes it on a friend's hand to appear for exam. Okay, so... Oh, my God, that's <clears> gross. <throat> Yeah, I need a I need a, a deep breath before this one. This is a, a an exam to get a railway job. Um, apparently, as a verification process to avoid you know to stamp out cheating, people had to you know do their thumbprint when they went into the exam. Um, and one friend, in order to cheat on the exam, who was not very studious, not very good, and had a very talented friend, um, apparently seared his flesh of his thumb and then used a knife to peel it off and then pasted it on his friend's thumb so he could get into the exam under false pretenses. I have no idea why somebody would think this would work. Um, I'm going to get into the story. This is in uh, Vadodara in India. Um, uh, a candidate did what I just said he did for a recruitment exam but the thumb skin, uh, which was pasted on the other person's hand, fell off when an exam supervisor oh, sprayed sanitizer on it during the oh, verification God. process. Um, the supervisor became suspicious when the guy kept putting his left hand in his pocket and wouldn't take it out. Oh, um, uh, the Varodara uh, police on Wednesday arrested the candidate, Manish Kumar, and his proxy, uh, Raja Guru Gupta, who are natives of the Munga district in Bihar for cheating and forgery. They're both in their mid twenties. Um, okay. This questions that I have about that. I mean, that that's effectively the story. There you go. Like um, the candidates were required to give the thumb impression. Um, it's matched with their data. And um, you know, what I just said happened. Um, but my questions about this are, first of all, why were they arrested? You like it's for cheating on an exam. Like, just don't pass the exam. Fail them. Better arrest them. And secondly, what makes somebody think that simply pasting a, a bit of scraped flesh onto somebody else will give oh, them your God. fingerprint? Like, like they still have their own fingerprint. I just... Oh. Words fail. Okay. The... Oh, God. This turns my belly. The whole thing. Okay. That was awful. Um, the hand sanitizer, you'd think it was bad for the guy who had the the other guy's skin on his thumb. It's a good thing the original guy who took the skin off his thumb didn't have to hand sanitize. Let's be honest, because that would have been killer. Well, I assume that person wasn't, I mean, yeah, first of all, ouch. Um, but I assume that person was not present for the test. 
because you know they were sending their proxy in in their place and being like, "Yes, my name is Manesh, and this is my thumb. Look, you know." And uh, yeah, I assume he wasn't present, but I, I honestly like just find a better way to cheat. Like, I, I, I honestly feel like if if there is thumb verification, like identification, that is not the step you cheat at. You have, you know, like you, you scan in, beep, beep, yep, that's me. And then after that, you find a way to cheat or before that you find a way to cheat, but not at the, you know, the thumb, the thumb skin stage. The thumb skin thumb. stage should be left alone. I mean, that's my personal opinion anyway. Oh, looking God. at my thumb here. I would like I to apologize. It. If this is turning your belly, like it's turning my belly. Whew. Okay. Uh, continuing on with the international dispatch in India. Um, okay. This is a very short one. Um, this is yeah. a very short one. Um, uh, can I just say that? Oh, you know what? I'll can say you... this later. I'm going to tell you what it is. It's um, a man was stuck in four minutes. Uh, so I was stuck in a lift, an elevator. He was stuck in an elevator for four minutes in India. Four minutes, one, two, three, four, not 10, not 15, not 20, no, four, four minutes he was stuck. And then CCTV caught him upon release of the elevator, slapping everybody in sight. Um, a man from the Gurugram uh, area was caught on CCTV, slapping two security guards. Uh, the man assaulted the guards, again with a slap, um, after coming out of the lift on, uh, around 7 a.m. on August 29th, in which he was stuck for four minutes. After he got out, he went about slapping the apartment security guard. He slapped the security guard four times. He was on duty. Sorry, I'm sorry for the syntax here. I'm just reading how it's written. He didn't stop there. He then turned to the lift man and slapped him too. Uh, the security guard said that he was stuck in the lift for some three to four minutes and that he helped him out of the lift. And as soon as the man was let out, he started slapping everybody inside. And that, that's it. That's my little bite-sized morsel there that a man, four minutes was enough to break him. No wonder they're all cheating on tests. Sir Christopher Gilbert's story about the thumb equals real life cut and paste from Tia. Hey, nice one. I needed a palate cleanser after the thumb story. I got to tell you, I think I need more because I'm not quite there yet. Um, okay. You got something else you can squeeze in? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I can give you, uh, the, uh, the heroin's kind of boring. Everyone's smuggling drugs these days. Um, yeah, let's do it. I found this one right before I came on here. You guys don't know about it. I'm sorry. Um, it's, it's a French green MP um, saying uh, you don't have to barbecue to prove your, quote, virility, uh, a French green MP tells meat-eating men. Um, uh, obviously, the green MP wants people to eat less meat, so that less, um, you know, like uh, carbony greenhouse gases are emitted from the cows, um, arguing that men's meaty diets in France emit 40% more greenhouse gases than women's. I do not know how he broke that down. Um, during a discussion on how to get the notoriously carnivorous French, are they notoriously carnivorous? I don't feel like the French are notoriously carnivorous. To eat and produce less meat, Sandrine Rousseau told the panel, we must change mentalities so that eating um, a steak cooked on the barbecue is no longer seen as a symbol of virility. The remark was instantly denounced by political opponents with the right-wing MP Eric Ciotti tweeting, this is the height of grotesque. Stop this madness. Uh, conservative MP Nadine Morano added, that's enough. Stop accusing our boys of everything. <laughs> I said they ate meat. 
Stop the deconstruction of our men. Stop the delusions. I just love France. Um, Communist leader Fabian Roussel also questioned the wisdom of debating the six of escalopes. Um, I imagine that's what happens when you have a language which genders absolutely everything in sight. Um, People eat meat depending on what they have in their wallet, not what kind of knickers or pants. This is okay. This is the political discourse in France, everybody. (laughs) This is what it's come to. This is uh, this is wild. This is amazing. This is the international dispatch. It's what it is. Sir Christopher, <laughs> Sir Christopher Gilbert, uh, live from Tokyo. Are you looking at another 34, 35 degree day, or are you starting to cool off yet? I tell you what, it's um, it's dipped down. It is in like uh, you know, it's it's actual hell. I'm not gonna lie. I like, I, I don't think it got this hot when I lived in Vancouver, but it's um. It's humid at nighttime. It's humid in, in the daytime. And uh, we had some storms come through and everything cooled down into the, into the 20s. And um, I just went around and rolled around in the dewy grass for a few hours there like a dog um, because it was just so satisfying. Um, but no, I reckon we've got a, a, a good two or three weeks of this left, you know, just sitting, sweating, having three showers a day, just multiple T-shirt washes a day. Just it's It's awful did you get your pumpkin spice lattes yet we got those now officially oh my god yeah i i heard that you guys are doing pumpkin spice latte. i tell you what they have here is they've put autumn leaves um on the beer cans now so your cans of kidding and your cans of asahi uh are now covered in autumn leaves um so that i don't think we have the the psls yet um, but we do have the uh, autumn-themed beverages, which are exactly the same as normal beverages. Just they they don't even make, like, a pumpkin-flavored beer? Well, I tell you... <laughs> probably. Um, I tell you that uh, Starbucks is absolutely huge here. Like, really? Starbucks... They love Starbucks here. Like, I'd say, dare say, even more than um, in uh, in North America. Like Really? Starbucks is seen as good coffee here, like for some reason, which I do not understand. But like, they are almost definitely going out and getting um, pumpkin spice lattes. I will get Starbucks under one condition, or actually three conditions. Um, first, using a gift card that somebody gave me so I don't mm-hmm. use my money. Uh, secondly, it has to be over thirty-one degrees. And thirdly, it would only be for, be for um, a, a, a caffeinated caramel frappuccino. Like that is the only condition in which I'll buy Starbucks because yes, I'm a snob. Yeah. Well, our favorite snob friend from Tokyo, Sir Christopher Gilbert. Thanks for being here, bud. Thanks, guys. See you next week. This is the Shift Podcast. Last night on the Shift. I shared a story with you about a road rage, road rage incident that was just outside my parents' place on the highway, probably about 15, 20, 15 minutes away. But we heard the sirens. And if you didn't hear that, I will give you an abbreviated version of what happened now because our guest needs to hear it too. So we heard the sirens. It was around dinner time. It was Saturday. And what had happened was that there was a white truck that had been reported to be uh, weaving in and out of traffic, pulled out in front of a minivan, decided to brake check the minivan. Slammed on the brakes, minivan slams on the brakes, skids off the road. Underneath a sign, there's a family in the van or the SU, small SUV or van, and um, one of the children has to get airlifted to hospital. All because of a road rage incident. The driver of the white truck that did the brake check drove away, didn't stop. 
It's very scary. And then you shared your stories as well. So I'll get into that. Dr. Steve Albrecht is here. He's a long history of all things around uh, healthy life, healthy work, healthy driving, all of that, including um, uh, the healthy, safe workplace, all of that, including the, you know, the books that you've written, which by the way, I'm just going to link Steve to our community page on Facebook, your drstevealbrecht.com. So everyone can jump from there and see all of the the books and things that you have. How are you? I'm great, Shane. Thanks for inviting me. I'm happy to talk with you tonight. The uh, reality is, is that my story is um, way too common, is it? Well, one of the issues about road rage is no consequences for the behavior. If there's not a cop around, there's not um, one thing helps cell phones in terms of capturing some of the behavior. Some people have dash cams, things dash like cams, that. But yeah. but without a without a cop nearby, a trooper, a, a state police, you know, RCMP, there's there's often no chance to catch these people, and they go away and and cause other problems down the road. So where do you want to start with this, Steve? Because you've done so much around um, road rage and your experience with it. What I mean, do we want to talk about what it is? I, I, I do look forward to hearing the how to deal with it because we had a conversation that from a caller last night that had shared where she pulled up behind somebody at a red light. The light turned green. It had been quite a few seconds, five or more, she said. And all she gave was the friendly toot toot, not even the honk, but just the friendly toot toot. And that person flipped to the bird pulled into the intersection, slammed on the brakes, brake checked her in the intersection, then waited until the light turned yellow so she couldn't go, and then proceeded through the intersection. Um, it bothered her to a point where she couldn't go to work that day. And we acknowledge that. I mean, when it when that happens to you, like, it literally affects you physiologically. Like, you can feel it in your belly. It stresses you out. You don't know what to do. And the way that I described it was, if you and I, Steve, are in an argument, we're both kind of jacked up. We're both ready. We're defensive mode. We're offensive mode. We're ready to go. But this young lady was just driving and the friendly toot toot. She's com- her guard is completely down. And when your guard's down, that's why I think this road rage stuff is so scary is because your guard is completely down. And then these people are invasive on that. So how do we deal with it? And um, and what do we do? Well, one of the things that you you described in there is kind of a, a version of bullying, is it not? It's mm. an anonymous version of bullying, which is I'm going to bully you about the space that we have. One of the things I've I've been looking at for a while with this subject is kind of the sense of territoriality. I own the road here. I own this space around mm-hmm. me. How dare you beep your horn mm-hmm. at me? And then the other part is, and, and Shane, you've seen this a lot in your life and work, which is this 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 narcissism, which is so part of the culture now. And mm-hmm. so the world revolves around me. How dare you beep your horn? I'll go when I want to go. Uh, I'll cut you off if I want to cut you off. I'll tailgate if I want to tailgate. I'll speed past you and swerve. Uh, we see a lot of the sort of the common things, you know, and somebody doesn't let you in to merge off the highway and things like that. It, it's just that kind of narcissism, which is attached to this subject. I think it's worse than it's ever been before. And one of the things that we see uh, certainly now is that people can capture these things with cell phones and video and, and things like that, which didn't exist, you know, 10, 15 years ago, the possibility. And and the idea that also these stories make the news a lot more now because it's sometimes the footage is scary and it's exciting and sometimes it's it's has a horrible ending, and and I think you know when I look at people with have road rage as a as a problem, they don't realize the consequences of what they do until they're arrested or in jail or they get sued or they're in the hospital. And I you know I've talked to guys in part of coaching and counseling that I do for especially for employees that have this issue on on work time driving their their employers' vehicles when they do this stuff. And it's it's a sense of, of insight, but it's too late. They don't figure it out until after all the stuff that they've done is over. And by that time, they put their job, their freedom, their career. And then the other part, and we can talk about this, 
you, you see people do this stuff with their kids in the car. And, and what message does it send to them? You know, yeah. daddy's a jerk. You know, da- daddy or mom's a jerk. Yeah, that's it's so difficult uh, to do that. In this particular case, that the guy in the white truck drove off, Steve. So he, I mean, I don't know about you. I mean, I openly admit that many, many years ago, I used to get mad in, in driving, and I was probably guilty of brake checking somebody, I'm sure. I don't remember a situation of it, but I'm pretty sure that I was that guy. But when you do those things and you're mad, you are you are so hyper aware of being, well, being, as we would say on the shift, being a Richard in that situation, that you're very aware of that person that you're doing it to. So there's no way that that guy, I believe, in that white truck didn't see that van skid off the road and clip the sign and hit the ditch and all those things. So, but yet, you know, almost like a hit and run style, very well aware and still has the tenacity to drive away from that. Well, the anonymity is a part of it. And also uh, think about how primitive your brain gets, my brain gets, everybody's brain gets when they're angry. You know, you talk to people and they say, well, I just saw red or I blacked out or I, I, I sort of lost lost touch. And when I came back again, all these things have happened. And and this, you know, psychologists, people that study as physiologists talk about the little brain versus the big brain. The little brain is primitive and the big brain is the one that thinks and the little brain is emotional. And the little brain gets us into lots of problems, especially when we add in some alcohol and some other stuff where the big brain says, hey, don't do that. You're putting your career, your life, your reputation, your freedom, whatever, your kid's perception of you at risk, but they do it anyway. So a lot of times people are in that situation, they're using a little brain and and they get so overwhelmed by the stress of that particular moment that they take it out on who's ever around them for that brief time span. And sometimes it's just, I'm going to threaten to hit you with my car and make you swerve out of the way or slam on your brakes, or I'm not going to actually hit you with my car and cause an accident and if I do, well, you know, it was your fault because you you pushed me to that point. I think there's a lot of rationalization of behavior when it comes to road rage. And, and that's what makes it so difficult because everybody's got a story where they say, well, the guy pushed my button or the person pushed my button in the other lane. I hate that, though. I really do. I truly do. I truly hate the fact that it that 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 that's the excuse. Like it's, you put it on them, Steve, like that'd be like me saying, well, oh, well my phone just rang. How can you believe, can you believe that, you know, that's Steve's fault for being on the interview with me, right? Like, that's crazy to put it on the other person. It's, it's cowardly, I guess, that I would go out as far as to say. Yeah, and, and, you know, oftentimes people use anger that they have in their life in general as, a, as an excuse for almost anything. I got mm-hmm. angry at somebody at the bank. I got angry at somebody at work. I got angry at somebody at the mall. I mean, think how many road rage cases you've seen which which moved from the streets to the parking lot. I mean, there were shootings over parking spaces. Yep. There have been assaults and fights over a stupid parking space. You're, you know, you're, you're going to the movies with your girl and it's like, well, I got waiting for the space and somebody pulls in and cuts you off and, and gets out and then it's on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you and I as rational adults and human beings would say, well, you know, that guy's a jerk and moving on. And other people go up, well, fight's on, time to, time to start the fight. Right. And I just think there's more of that. If you look in society in general, in terms of the the criminal activity where people go, I don't care. My consequences be damned. I don't care. I'm going to do whatever I want. There's no cops around here and and I'm going to do what I want. And and also uh, that this anonymity that people seem to think they have, I've got tinted windows on my car, my truck, and you can't see who I am and I'll do whatever I want. That's another factor as well. So road rage, I mean, I guess I've always taken it as, you know, this this is the mirror. This is the the healthy humans or lack thereof of our society, it seems to be trending in the wrong direction for what I would like to see society look like, which for me, you know, community caring, understanding, I don't care if people agree or disagree. You want to argue, go ahead and argue. But I mean, is it 
are we really going to do these these things and live this way um are we seeing more of it steve or is it just more it's kind of like the weather right the weather's an easy one we always talk about natural disasters because in the 80s you didn't really hear about them unless they were the worst ones but now we have the weather network so we literally can see it all day every day so our access to info has that changed or is it actually getting better or worse i think it's it's worse and it's been documented as worse there's been some studies done by the auto club in the united states there's an insurance company in the u.s called the zebra.com uh, the zebra had did a fairly substantial bigger than i've ever seen biggest i've ever seen report about road rage and they talked about you know some pretty damning statistics about the numbers and and how people are causing injuries and deaths and that they were the first people to really as an insurance company say look this affects our drivers it affects our our policyholders the people we provide insurance to this is an issue for us i guess the other thing for me is you know if we look at sort of the evolution of 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 people civility as you well know you look at the world around you has gone away and politeness and civility are you know have gone out the window mm-hmm. um, um, I, I was in Miami, um, and I pulled up to the toll booth to get a ticket, for, you know, out of the toll for the uh, turnpike. I literally reached my arm out the window and was making contact with a physical piece of paper to pull it back into the car when the guy behind me started beeping the horn. Wow. And I, I couldn't have pulled the thing out any faster. I mean, I, it's not like I dawdled around and, you know, went outside and had a sandwich and then came back in and got the piece of paper. I mean, that's the kind of thing we're dealing with in life where, the level of impatience, the level of, of incivility, the level of I, I do own the whole road. And it's it's this narcissism, which is, you know, you're in my way, you're, you're blocking my path to getting where I want to go. And you talked about the weather. You know, there's some drivers, no pun intended, for road rage. Weather's one of them. Hot make, makes things worse. Uh, we looked at some cities in the United States that have a lot of problems with road rage. Houston's one of them. Um, you know, all things big in Texas, including hot weather there. Um, um, stress that people carry from work to home and home to work. Think about how miserable some folks are driving to work to a job they hate. They take it out on people as they go. Yeah. Um, going back home. Think about how traffic makes us all furious and traffic that leads to a classic road rage scenario, which is you go from two lanes to one or five lanes to one mm-hmm. and everybody cuts over at the end. You know, you're a, a good guy and you're waiting in line for your term to, to go onto the into the lane and you know 65 people cut over and cut you off in front it just makes people furious so construction traffic weather all those things are kind of drivers for people to to, to lose their their cool lose their temper and 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 this primitive thinking you know is this uncontrolled anger is is prevalent in lots of society i think people take it out on other folks in their cars because they feel anonymous and they go mm-hmm. you know i have this big car and do whatever i want Ah, it's fascinating. Um, what are we missing, Steve? I mean, this is a big conversation for you. Um, we've been we've been through all this. I mean, I think everybody's had the experience of it. Our truckers at nighttime, the stories that they tell about people in tiny little cars brake checking a, um, a a truck that's pulling two fifty three foot trailers. Uh, it's kind of wild. And um, you know, what am I, are we missing anything here? Because you, I mean. I'm just acknowledging the fact that your experience and depth on this conversation is, is there's so much more for me to learn. I, I think it's, I mean, I appreciate the, your praise there. I, you know, I'm the czar of, of, uh, uh, an odd subject here. Yeah. There, there is no czar for road rage. There's a drug czar yeah. and we have czars about homelessness and we have czars about a lot of other issues, especially in the States for, for what we're trying to fix. But this, this subject only really resonates with people when it's your family member who was injured or killed or, or, you know, something happens to your car as a result of this behavior. And I think it's one of those things that that people 
at least in my conversations with folks, take for granted. And that, what are you going to do? That's one of those, what are you going to do subjects in life? But that's a pretty, pretty serious outcome. The, the impact on the health of your body, the health of your car, if you're a victim, certainly the impact if you get arrested or prosecuted or, or put in jail or prison for what you have done. I mean, there are people in, in prison for running over folks with their cars. And, and, you know, if you were to ask them, is that what you plan to do today when you got up and left the house? The answer would have been no. But, but somehow they just they blacked out, saw red, whatever it is, that 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 anger. Think of those those scenarios that you see on the road all the time. You know, the guy in the motorcycle weaving in and out of traffic when you're you're dead stopped. It just pushes people's buttons. Mm-hmm. Um, um, people in construction trucks that are just tailgating you because it's, you know, 530 in the morning. They got to get to the job site. We got soccer moms, you know, and big SUVs, and, and they're going to run us off the road as well because they have to get someplace. Mm-hmm. And then there's the guy that's the speed king. You know, he's got the he's got the souped up Subaru or whatever it happens to be, and 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 he's racing up up behind you. And you know, one of the things that makes me most angry about road rage myself is, okay, I was a cop in San Diego for 15 years. I saw people do horrible things to themselves and other people. When I look at road rage, I'm like, okay, if you're going to do injury to yourself or kill yourself with your horrible driving, whatever, I can't stop you. Never, don't put me at risk. Mm. Don't put my family at risk. And that's the part that really, really makes me the most angry. Don't put me or other people who have no, no connection to your, your life issues at risk with your behavior. And that's the, that's the challenge of road rage from my side, which is these people put us at risk with the way they drive. And it's, it's reckless. It's dangerous. It causes injuries or deaths, and you know whether or not they care afterwards doesn't stop the fact that they've hurt somebody. Well, isn't it take you back to for me anyway? It takes me back to the seatbelt conversation because there was a time when seatbelts weren't the law, and you didn't have to wear wear a seatbelt. And so many people have said um, that you know well, what does me wearing a seatbelt have to do with anybody else? If I'm going to die in a car crash, that's up to me, right? And all that stuff, that argument. And we seem to be so selfish that realize you realize somebody actually still has to scrape you up right like there's a human that has to come and they have to bring their little shovel and they have to scrape you up after you got tossed from that vehicle into oncoming traffic with no seatbelt on and are we so selfish that we just are so wrapped up in you know our ego i don't know um i feel like ego is not accurate because ego to me is a little bit more like a mask but are we so disempowered that these are the 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 choices we make to feel like we're strong in our lives i don't get it I guess it's, you know, it's back to the narcissism thing. And, and, and one is that won't ever happen to me. I'll never get an accident like that. I'll be able to bench press right. this, you know, 1,200 pounds off of me for this car. <laughs> I, don't need I mean, you, you've seen the same argument about helmet laws. Mm-hmm. And I went through the same thing, in, you know, in, in states where I've lived in where they've had helmet laws and they went away from them. And I'm like, don't if you don't want to wear a helmet on your motorcycle, that's cool with me. But, you know, if you get a brain injury and it, it costs me, you know, a million dollars a year uh, with your medical bills because you're uninsured, then it, then it impacts us. And so, you know, I, I get there, leave me alone. I want to do my own thing, you know, thing that some people make. But I'm, I'm saying you have impact on other people. And that's where I think a lot of people in, in the world don't realize the impact of their behavior on other folks. That's oftentimes until it's too late. It's ugly. It really is. Yeah. And you want to talk about some some prescriptions, I guess, you know, uh, one thing is don't be shy about calling the 911 state troopers, RCMP, Highway Patrol, police about what you see. And describe and and one of the good things about cops and radio they they can have a cop or a helicopter or a bunch of cops right where you happen to be calling from they that's where they drive patrol cars they patrol so you say I'm on this highway this road this street here here's what's happening here's the description of the car which is doing these things they know exactly what's going on if they can get there and catch the person in the act 
they're going to arrest him. Mm-hmm. Three or more, three or more moving violations in a row is called reckless driving. That's a misdemeanor arrest. You can go to jail for that. The other part is is don't do that stupid thing that people used to say in the old days: drive to the police station, drive drive to the drive to the fire station. That'll be a safe place. Most, most people don't know where the police station is mm-hmm. or the fire station is where they are. Stay in your car. Don't pull over to the side of the road. Don't get out and try to reason with these folks. Stay in your car. And and what I always say is, let them get ahead of you. It's, and you know, there's much more dangerous for them to be behind you than for them to get ahead of you. If they want to get ahead of you, let them get ahead of you. If you need to to take the next off ramp, take the next off ramp. Stay on your phone. Talk to the to, to the dispatchers as what's going on because they're recording the call. They, that's good evidence later on. But this idea of, you know, pull off to the police station, I don't know where we got that one. That's kind of dopey. Yeah. I that was one of those ones where if, if somebody was following you and you felt threatened, I don't think it I don't think it graduates much beyond that one, right? Like, if you feel like someone's waving a gun at you and they're following you, uh, yes, maybe that would be the only time that you just pretty much get yourself right to a police officer. But right. um, as strange as it is, uh, it, it does hit us. It does hurt us, though, Steve. I mean... Is it safe enough to say that don't diminish the fact that when someone does these things to you as a human being that you probably need to talk about it and don't diminish it and just say, well, uh, he just flipped me the bird or whatever. I mean, there's no there's no mental scope on, oh, that was no biggie. If it if it hits you, it hits you. For sure. And you talked about that story with a woman who, who couldn't go to work afterwards. That That's a perfect a, a example of a response to stress, a really overwhelming stress, which said this affected me down to my core. I mean, you and I may be able to laugh off certain things and go, what a jerk, you know, moving on. But certain stuff sort of pushes our buttons and, and makes us feel vulnerable and makes us feel afraid and, and makes us worry about our own safety. I, I wish I could talk to some of these folks, especially the ones who do it with their kids in the car or their spouse or partner in the car and go, is this the message that you want this person to think you're a crazy person? They, they want you to think you're a maniac. They want you to think you can't control your anger. Is that, is that what, you know, mature people do in the world? The answer is no, but they do it anyway. And mm-hmm. it, it baffles me as to why they would not say, I'm not going to do something that would put my kid at risk or have that perception that my kid thinks I'm a maniac. Mm. I would say to my kids, because I teach communication and effective mindful communication, uh, just don't let yourself swear. If you're driving and someone cuts you off and whatever, just don't let yourself swear. Find another word because as soon as you start to swear, it's like your brain just switches off and and in comes the stupids, right? Like you you lose that that clarity of what truly happened here and it is okay to say to yourself, I find this works for me. Be like, that guy just scared the crap out of me. I and think I, the big thing, feels I, better. I, agree, I agree completely. And I think the big thing for me too is not that we bring road rage upon ourselves, but focus on your driving, not on your phone, not on texting, not on putting on your makeup or, or, you know, messing around with your coffee cup, focus on your driving. I saw a a guy won an award in New York city for being the best, best uh, uh, limo driver in in New York for one year. And they said, what do you do to drive so well? And he said, I just drive. It was sort of Zen like, right? Mm. I just drive. I don't mess around with other things. I don't monkey with my phone. I don't look out the window. I just drive. So one way you can keep these road ragers away from you is be the best driver you can be. And you can see folks looking at their phone, they swerve over into your lane accidentally, stuff like that can push those people's buttons. Be a better driver. Dr. Steve Albrecht.com is the website, shiftheads.ca. The link is up there for you as well. I'll learn more about what Steve has because this conversation is uh, expert on road rage, absolutely. But there's a lot more to be found in these kinds of behaviors with Steve's work. So I invite you to do that. And Steve, we do look forward to uh, some of the things that you're working on in the background that I know is happening. And uh, we'll get you back on to shamelessly promote them. I would like to do that. Thanks, Shane. 
This is the Shift Podcast. Artists all over the world, you're on notice. You and your human mistakes and your artwork. Hey, you and your coloring inside the lines. You and your painting by number. Well, your days are numbered. It's time for Greg Fish. Welcome to the world of weird things with Greg Fish. Our beloved and favorite weirdo, Greg Fish, is here, and um, I would like to start this conversation partway down uh, the article, by the way, worldofweirdthings.com. It's a blog, it's a, a podcast and all the things, and this link is at shiftheads.ca. It says, how is all this creative AI possible? And yet, creative AI is a bit of an oxymoron, but yet, it's ones and zeros and it's being creative. So what is it? Hey, Fish. How's it going? Well, curious, mostly. Um, how can you call AI creative? That is a great question that I don't think has a really good answer because that really depends on what your definition of creativity is. Now, when it comes to figuring out what AI is doing, we can we can see that there's a lot of permutations and things that it goes through. But you know what, before we get into it, let's back up a little bit and let's talk about what's actually going on in the world of AI art, which again, sounds like a thing that should not really exist. So what what is AI art? Um, there are now neural networks called things like Dolly and Midjourney that generate art based on text prompts which again, also sounds like not a thing that should happen. But what they actually are doing is they're using multiple neural networks to first analyze what you actually mean. So there's a neural network that analyzes what you've actually typed in and what the different objects are and what the different adjectives to describe them are. Then it uses an architecture called a general adversarial network, which actually has two models. The first model, comes up with random images or random assortments of pixels. And then it submits it to another model that looks at things that are actually art, like actual human art that was submitted into its training set and says, how close is this to something that would be considered art? So this first model that's called the generator keeps creating more and more different combinations of pixels in that image. And then the other network called the discriminator looks through it and says, okay, that actually looks kind of similar to what humans would describe as art. So I'm gonna say you're done and let's go ahead and present this image to a human. So the result to us looks like very creative um, and very artistic and something that really understands us. But in reality, it's went through tens of thousands of cycles trying to come up with something that kind of looks artistic. It's almost like, you know, that old quote about monkeys with a typewriter, eventually they'll bang out Shakespeare. Well, that's kind of what we're looking at here. <laughs> I get it. Okay, we're doing a... Uh a quantity versus quality scenario. What this brings me to, Fishy, though, this brings me to, we've heard of AI generating music. Now, with music, I feel like computers can analyze the spectrum waves of the music. 
right? The sine waves, they can look at the spectrum of it all. They can analyze the sine waves and spectrum views of a song. And they can say, okay, well, these are the sounds in the song. I'm going to create similar patterns, length, sounds that we hear in this song. Therefore, AI can create music. Now, it, same thing with poetry. Uh, a computer could analyze poetic words that are used commonly over 10 million poems and go, oh, these must be nice words, and they can put together poems. But with pictures, how in the world can they disseminate like you talk about? Because it's not like the computer can look at the screen the same way that it could with words or with sound. Ah, but it can with something called convolutional neural networks. Yes, convolutional neural networks essentially slice up the image into chunks the computer understands, and then it can analyze each segment of it to understand potentially what kind of features there are in that image. So that's how it quote-unquote sees, and it's actually modeled after our V1 to V5 cortices, which is how we process vision. So essentially, we've created something somewhat similar in computers in that particular architecture. Now, of course, this is a bit of a, of a simplified explanation, and we kind of went for a more straightforward model with our AI networks. But yes, it's, it's generally based on our visual cortices. So it can actually kind of understand things a little bit like we do. Although understand, again, is it's kind of a... Uh, kind of a drastic oversimplification, more like it can mimic what we're trying to do. So it's not actually doing it, it's just mimicking what we're doing. So this could even go back to the AI of facial recognition and all the things that have gone on with different successes on different face types, skin types, skin colors, all those things, because the original images fed into facial recognition system were typically uh, white folk faces, and therefore, um, the computers only really knew that kind of face. So that would mean that the computers would only know as good of art as we gave it? Yeah, pretty much. And then there's also the difference when you have the visual recognition. Those are usually small, grainy pictures that these initial networks are trained on. And these are, you know, multi-megapixel large giant images. Some of these networks have billions of parameters. So they have very, very high resolution. And that's why it looks so cool and so good and so interesting. They just have more real estate to work with. And that's really why you've seen that huge explosion of what sound what looks and sounds like AI art. It's they just have much more material to work with than they ever did before. And they can do it faster and throw out more combinations they've done before. In fact, in the article, I also talk about AI that's used to generate fiction. So it really just just cobbles together different things that sound like books that have been fed into it. And it's kind of hoping that it kind of makes sense. And if you actually do string those together, you get something that kind of looks like an attempt in fiction, but very, very awkward. And then it's up to a human to correct it and actually put it into a narrative. Um, and again, this is a tool that can be abused to write non nonsense that is just like really meant to pump out content uh, but again it's really more for like an assistive thing for artists and this is what i mean so uh so vic don't worry your your watercolors are safe mm-hmm. um because what it's really meant to do and actually there are artists who are embracing this they're they're meant to create starting points they're meant to create inspiration they're meant to uh abstract kind of things that are that are 
we would consider grunt work and they really let you focus on more of like the higher level design higher level conceptualization because they're they're abstracting away all of the trial and error that you would have to go through Hmm. okay um failure though isn't some of the magic in the failure of the human or because if it's mimicking it's really trying to mimic failure um because expression emotion frustration all of those things i suppose it could interpret it's only going to fail as good as the best failure, I guess is kind of what I'm getting at as I see this through this lens that you're presenting to us. Well, that, that's more of a philosophical debate, though, isn't it? Because mm. when, when we talk about it mimicking what we're doing, you could argue that, well, if it mimics us well enough, then wouldn't we say it mastered that skill? But it, the way that it approaches it fundamentally different because we're, we're comparing uh, we're not even comparing apples and oranges. We're comparing planets and furniture, you know, just, just mm-hmm. wildly different things. Um, and even though the result can kind of be put up next to each other, they're still different things and they're products of completely different processes and completely different minds. Again, if you can call the, the AI a mind. So when it mm-hmm. comes to things like failures, you can argue that the creativity in some of this AI art and some of this AI fiction comes from its failures that we find funny and say, actually, no, don't reject that. That is hilarious and I love it. And and that's fine too. It's just a question of how close does it get to a point where we consider that it's it's good enough to actually use. Hmm. Okay. Um should artists really be worried, though? I mean, when we're talking about it, we've had all kinds of artists here on the show. Maggie Hall, one an amazing painter. She paints those, um, well, she does all kinds of uh, paintings. I suggest you look up Maggie. Maggie does, uh, she's the one who did the cheesies bags, the high-gloss cheesies bags. So cool. And, uh, you know, we have Vic, like you talked about, on our Facebook group. He does his watercolors. We've had all kinds of artists on here. I mean, should we be worried? Is Are the days of the human expression getting flushed no absolutely not um i would worry for commercial artists who are very much quantity over quality but artists who are very focused on something very particular on on particular topics and particular themes shouldn't be Uh, and here's why the ai is essentially again just trying to throw everything that it can. It's basically throwing pixels at the wall until it can find something that sticks or or words at the wall until it finds something that sticks. Human mm. artists are a lot more deliberate. There's a vision, there's a goal, there's a certain pursuit. And while turning to some of these AI tools can create different variations to kind of get them started, to get the creative juices flowing, to maybe even create kind of a base for it, that human motivation and focus is always going to be the the real deciding difference. This is why it's really going to look very, very profoundly different when we actually look at it from a standpoint of art. Because if you start looking at a lot of these AI images, you're going to start catching like weird little things that the networks can't quite catch yet. And it, they don't really understand that it doesn't quite look right, but we humans do. And there's really no amount of art that we can feed it that will make it understand the same things that, 
that that we do in that regard because there's always going to have to be that tolerance for error and that error is never going to go away but again a human artwork is going to catch those little things it's going to look right it's going to polish off those those rough edges so it's it's always going to be different okay so if you go to shiftheads.ca let's talk about these ones that ryan did did you see the ones ryan did um he did some uh enter in the prompts online and the first one he did was darth vader driving a honda civic and i mean it clearly looks like darth vader but it's not really darth vader um not to mention that you know he's misshapen at times his face is squishy or whatever and the honda civic i mean i guess it looks like a honda civic mm -hmm. um but not really is this what we're talking about or is it you know really, yeah really i mean good? no i mean you see how the like the the front of the honda civic is kind of distorted some of the lines and angles don't quite look right and some of them darth vader looks like he's been like punched really hard like he got a really hard uppercut and the helmet never really kind of got fixed as a result so you you see it kind of it looks at first glance you're like oh this is amazing and then you start looking really deep into it and you're like I don't know. Something's a little off. And even the best, and this is Dali Mini, but if you if you go to like the full feature Dali, the three plus million, uh, sorry, three plus billion pixels, you're still going to find little weird things that are just a little bit off. So yes, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And that's something that, that human art would be able to catch in a nanosecond. So what else Ryan did was the other one he made. Um, it's also at shiftheads.ca for you to see. Canadian listening to the radio and oh God. the human face is, yeah. um, this looks like some horror movie level stuff here. This is, yeah, this, this it, is very, it's ugly. I mean, I hope that's, that's not what most people look like because wow. Well, um, I can tell you this artists, artists, your career is safe. If this is what the drawings, the computers are making. Well, again, like, like I said, this is Dali Mini. The the full featured versions do a much better job. Um, sure. But again, yeah, there's there's always going to be things that are a little bit off. And where I would see this really going, like in, in reality, when we talk about where is this technology headed, I'd look at things like animation. You'll see a lot of something like that being used for something called frame interpolation, where you're 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 using AI to fill in frames between keyframes, which is usually an incredibly painstaking job that's really not very well paid, um, and it requires just a lot of repetitive action that often ends up in carpal tunnel and and all sorts of other uh, potential, you know. Uh, problems when you're just like really cramped and drawing the same things but slightly different all day long for months on end so if you have an ai they can do that job for you and you can just focus on the keyframes and actually get those uh really just focus on the story and the framing and and the language that you're trying to express through um your animation you're going to see that pay off uh it's going to be using idea generation um and it's going to be in uh, and is going to be used as a kind of um, just like an entertainment thing, just just people trying to like mess around with it and see if they can can get something interesting out of it and then build something on top. So that's that's where I see it going. That's where it's that's where it's actually going to be of most use. Okay, when we talk about deepfakes, fish um, deepfakes in a lot of ways will take 
an existing video and it will search and scrape the internet for all kinds of pictures of say somebody famous like Barack Obama because we saw those ones that were done and there's millions of pictures of that guy out there and they take those pictures and they sort of take little bits and pieces and it recreates by combining pictures taking this little motion of the the lips or the eyes and all the things and searches and bring those things together what this looks like is more like the computer is actually drawing out the pixels, not just pinching from other images to use them. Do I understand that correctly? Yeah, it's essentially, like I said, it's it's throwing out different combinations of pixels until it starts matching or at least coming close enough to those pictures that are using the draining set of the discriminator. Can you say that again? <laughs> so, yeah, so it's essentially... it's <laughs> it's a lot of big words there. Okay, it's essentially trying to create uh it's it's trying to create the picture enough times just by by drawing by by putting out random pixels um and then it compares them to like actual pictures and tries to get it close enough so that's what it's actually doing it's not so much it's not so much drawing it's trying to guess what that picture is going to look like from scratch enough times until it actually starts getting it okay so okay um, exciting for a computer scientist like you to see these things happening, or is this just all wrong? No, I think it's, I think it's definitely exciting. Like I said, when it comes to computers, what we really ultimately want to do with a lot of these AI uh, models is we want to eliminate drudgery, we want to eliminate repetitive actions, we want to uh, give people the ability to pursue things that are more higher level, higher order, uh, require more um, deep thought and design, and kind of leave the grunt work to the machines, because the machines can just do that grunt work nonstop for years if you tell them to. So I think it's definitely exciting if it's used the right way. And, and you know, we already know that similar architectures that are used to create deep fakes and and there's problems around that but if used responsibly you know they can save people a lot of time and money Hmm. um get a logo done for my small business kind of stuff is that what you're thinking uh personally i wouldn't recommend that yet i would give it i would give it a couple of years until it can do that uh but if you have a designer who's just gonna try different logos and can experiment and get like 50, 60 different takes on it from an AI and then figure out the right design and speed things up and maybe charge you less because it takes them a lot less time to do the logos. Yeah, that's where I see it headed right now. Hmm. Oh, it's fascinating stuff. Worldofweirdthings.com. Uh, the link is up for you to check out yourself at shiftheads.ca on our Facebook group. Greg Fish and Computers Drawn Pictures. Thanks, buddy. Always a pleasure. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca. 